Uh, here we go again. All right. So, hello, welcome to Above the Board, episode number nine. Episode the number nine. nine. Um, I'm Bradley. I am Jeremy. Of course, you all know us already. We're so famous and popular. Everybody knows us already. <laughs> um, so today episode, today's episode is going to be a bit of a weirdo uh, in the grand scheme of things. We don't have really a topic so much as like a an idea, I guess you could say. Um, we, so I don't know. I don't know how meta you want to get with it, but there was a little bit of a break that we had taken in between recording uh, sessions um, earlier in the year, and we had an idea to just get together, record something, uh, pretty much just kind of shoot the shit and kind of catch up because it had been a while since we had discussed and talked yeah. or anything. Um, and so that's where this idea came from. We ended up recording or finding more topics to re- to record on and release those first. So you'll be hearing this after. Uh, but the idea behind it was just to almost almost like a and I mean, we're still really good friends, so we know each other. So a lot of these questions are a little bit more abstract, a little bit more niche. Um, at least the ones I, I picked. Yeah, I, I kind of um, think I did the same thing. I, I sort of develop questions that I feel uh, get a little bit more into your creative process um, yeah. in the spirit of the, the podcast and what we talk about anyway. But just trying to get a little bit deeper. Uh, some of these, I, I sort of already know some of the answers, but you know, just to let you um, expand upon those and then also to let our listeners hear that. And I don't know, maybe it'll just make for a very interesting hour-long conversation. Yeah, maybe. At the very at the very least, um, as is evidence of the last podcast that we recorded, um, you know, we, we uh, value good chemistry and good um, rapport when we listen to podcasts ourselves. So this is, at the end of the day, just making content that we want to make. Yes. So, without further ado, let's not start with the questions, and instead I'm going to ask you something, Jeremy. <laughs> okay. Let's not start with the questions you, except for this question. <laughs> yes. Well, this question is not on my list, okay? Okay. Uh, have you watched any movies or TV shows or anything uh, lately or recently, or read any books? Okay. So, that's actually a very fun question, because I have... Um, mm-hmm. As you know, the listeners will not know, but uh, last couple of weeks have been sort of topsy-turvy for me. Uh, leading mm-hmm. up to them, uh, I was re-watching Breaking Bad, and I'm up, I believe, on Season 5, Episode 3. Uh, things are going yeah. better now, um, and I'm kinda, I just kind of want to step back from it a little bit, and then uh, probably next week I'll start going back into it again. Um, and that's been mm-hmm. that's been really fun. I've changed my perspective on a few things that I thought the first time I watched it. Uh, and then you know, both good and bad. There's some things that I, I didn't recognize before that now I'm like, oh man, that's awesome. And then there's some things that I thought I recognized before. Now I'm like, eh, it wasn't really what I thought it was. So mm, mm-hmm. okay, um, yeah, I still think it's a fantastic show. I think it's something that everybody should. If you like dramatic TV, um, I think it's a fantastically written show. The cinematography is still really good. Uh, I think the mm-hmm. dialogue amongst characters is really good. Uh, I think what I what I kind of chilled to was I used to think that Walter's character progression was as good going negative as Jamie Lannister's was going good in Game of Thrones. 
Um, mm-hmm. However, after watching it now, it doesn't ramp up quite. It's it's not really a bell curve. It's I forget what the name of the curve is, but it's it's kind of really flat for the first three and a half to four seasons, and then fourth it really starts kind of peaking. You'll see little spikes mm-hmm. here and there. I guess I just remembered it as being more of like a like a steady kind of progression through each season. It just isn't right. Um, Mm-hmm. And and looking back, I'm like, ah, I don't I don't know that it's as good as Jamie Lannister's was now. Uh, but then again, if I ever decide yeah. to watch rewatch Game of Thrones, maybe his isn't as good as I thought either. <laughs> um, who knows? So I have a, I have an interesting theory on that. Okay, um, as you're talking about it, because I'm thinking back on it myself. I mean, we all know how Game of Thrones ended. Uh, I've I've harped on it myself plenty of times yeah. in this podcast. Um, the ending of just. This kind of out of context, but the ending of Jamie, Jamie Lannister's arc is um, not well done, in my opinion. No, um, how it ended. Uh, but thinking back on it, it's an interesting parallel, and I kind of almost wonder if a lot of those uh, positive memories and like, oh shit, that was intense type um, ideas that we have thinking back on these shows has to do with the first time we watch something and how much of like an adrenaline rush or like a um, like an endorphin spike or whatever the fuck the term is, um, plays into that of something that's happening for the first time. Going back and looking at it now, we're kind of like expecting that as we're rewatching yes. things. Maybe that has something to do with I it. I think that has a lot um, to do with it. And I also think something else. I think that the state of life that you're in when you watch a show significantly mm-hmm. changes the way you uh, perceive it. And absolutely. So, so I think that's a lot of it too. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. You know, just rewatching it, you're that, um, that excitement of not knowing that uncertainty of what's going to happen definitely makes a big difference in, in what you're doing now. Like I, obviously I know the outcome of breaking bad. Um, but I'll tell you the the thing that stands out as being really awesome that I didn't pay much attention to the first time, uh, Jesse's character. I think, um, mm-hmm. what is his name? Is it Paul something? Um, Aaron Paul. Aaron Paul. Actor. Yeah. So I I saw him in the last episode or last season of um, Westworld. And I thought, man, he's a really good actor. And as I'm watching this huh. one, the first time I watched Breaking Bad, I was like, oh, my God, I hate this kid. And, <laughs> and I just didn't like the character. But now I'm watching it. And because I already know what the character is, I'm able to appreciate what he's bringing to that character and i'm like holy cow like he is a i hope he does fantastic things in the future because i'm on board with this guy yeah if you like um that kind of like tortured character um he was in a show on hulu i think it was called the ladder or something let me pull it up Mm. um it was uh kind of similar um it was uh, pretty much uh, they like he was part of um, he was part he was kind of being brought into a religious cult uh, and like slowly unraveling like oh shit this is not as good as I thought it was. <laughs> Let me pull it up uh, on here on. Don't drink. Oh, he was in the Black Kool-Aid. Mirror. I didn't know he was in Black Mirror. Okay, he was in one episode. Uh, fuck. Where yeah, is I just. This? I just think he's a fantastic actor, and I I don't know that I'll go out and consume everything he's made, but I definitely, if I see him in something that looks interesting, I'll I'll definitely give it a shot now because I, I think he can bring a lot to it. Uh, so right, 
so yeah, I'm on board with that, and that's been kind of my experience. Um, have you been watching anything? I've actually been reading as well, but I'll throw it to you. Uh, what have you been watching lately? I stand corrected. It is the path. I believe. Yeah, it's the path. Okay. That he was in, not the ladder. the The religion, the cult, was I think the ladder, ladder based. Um, but yes, I have been. I've watched. Oh boy. Um, let's see. I recently rewatched Three Hundred. Oh wow. Uh, I went on a bit of a snack, uh, Zack Snyder kick. I rewatched Three Hundred. Uh, still really liked it and still enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't like a great story. Uh, just really cool visuals. I then watched, I decided to watch uh, 300, uh, the second movie, uh, Rise of an Empire or something like that. Rise of a Kingdom, something like that. Um, it was a sequel. Horrible. Garbage. Was not good. Um, and then I watched the Zack Snyder cut for Justice League. Uh, I, I have an HBO Max now. That's a thing. Fun. Um, Did you get at and Holy shit. Uh no, mm-hmm. I just I just bought I just bought it for for the fifteen dollars for a month. So I'll I'll I've got until April twenty eighth or something. I got like oh, month nice. to to watch some stuff. Um, I watched that movie. That so I've never seen Justice League. I never I never saw the theatrical cut. I watched several like review ish kind of things on it. Um, I mentioned it previously. Um, yeah, the Cinema Wins YouTube channel. I watched his video of like everything great with it. Um, and even with that, I could tell it was just like not good. Um, I think I watched uh, maybe like a few of the clips that people will post on on Reddit or something of like the big moments that happen, and I was just like, "This is garbage." <laughs> I rewatched, I, so I, I watched Zack Snyder's cut. Um, definitely better. Yeah, definitely a better movie. Uh, I feel really horribly for um, Zack Snyder, and uh, I believe his name is Ray Fisher. Okay, he's the the, the actor who plays uh, Cyborg. I'll double check that. I feel horribly for them because the vision of that movie was ruined by the studios. Uh, we'll talk about that, I'm sure, another time. I, I think another yeah. good topic someday would be like superhero movies. But other than that, I've been reading, I've been listening to the audiobooks for the Mistborn trilogy. Okay. Um, with uh, by Brandon Sanderson on Audible. Uh, they've been really, really good. Um, I read Mistborn, the first book couple of years ago and i was gonna read the second book and then i think maybe uh another book by brandon sanderson came out or something and i just was like i'm gonna read this instead and i never came back to it okay um, but since i have audible i'm driving a lot i decided i'll oh, check it out again um yeah. my god dude so you're really liking books. audible then yes i Good. really really am i'm definitely getting into it it's fun because um i have a game on my phone that i i could play um because like i i can't like if I'm I'm reading something on Audible, I can't go and then read something on like Reddit or watch something. Like I have to have something mundane going on. Yes. If I'm not driving or if I'm not like trying to sleep, uh, so like I've got a game that I can play that helps okay. satisfy that part of my brain. Like the same part of my brain that when I'm reading a book, my eyes moving on the page. You know, yes. like that kind of I'm, part of it. I am right there with you. And if you remember back a couple of episodes, I talked about that. Like. Uh, the cleanliness of my house is directly is directly correlated mm-hmm. to uh, how good the audiobook that I have currently is, or the podcast. Because yeah. I cleaning really helps. I paint uh, minis for my board games. Um, been painting Zombie Side. I took on. I decided. I don't know if I ever told you that. I decided to try to paint eighty of the walkers at once and batch paint them. That was um, two thousand nineteen. Huh. I started that. They're still not done. <laughs> so it's <laughs> it was so overwhelming. But yeah, just sitting there and painting is really good. 
um, I, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, anything mundane. Uh, when I worked for one company doing signage, I listened to a lot of audiobooks during that because it yeah, didn't take much to, you know, just flip a sign. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I enjoy that. Uh, I've been listening to Les Brown, The Power of Purpose. Um, I go back and forth with my audiobooks. Uh, I listen to a little fiction and I listen to nonfiction. Uh, there's quite a mm-hmm. bit of nonfiction that I like. I'm getting ready. Um, unless I find a, a fiction book in the middle, my next one's going to be uh, Matthew McConaughey's Greenlight. I downloaded that already. I'm excited to read that, to listen to that one. Um, and I believe he narrates it as well. And I think he's got a just a good tone that will be be interesting to listen to. Um, but I've actually been reading like an actual book. Uh, I read last week. I read one of uh, Louis L'Amour's books. Um, are you familiar mm-hmm. with him? I don't believe so. Yeah, I I wasn't either. But while I was reading it, somebody was like, you know, he's like a prolific western writer i was like i I had no idea hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of western books from like the 50s or 60s on forward or something like that i believe he passed away in the 80s um but i read one of his books of short stories uh in a day i was sort of on a pseudo vacation we'll call it um so Mm -hmm. that was nice and relaxing um i feel like i i don't know why i have this i feel like i had heard in an interview with uh tarantino that he kind of was inspired by Louis L'Amour when he made Hateful Eight. But I don't know if that's one of those false memories or, or if that was accurate. <laughs> um, but it really yeah. reads it reads like just the, the Western channel, like those old West movies. And some of it mm-hmm. was kind of cringy for 2021, just sort of the way women were portrayed. And, you know, regardless of the fact that that could very well be how it was, it's still sort of – it doesn't sit as right anymore. Um, right. So it's, you know, and, yeah. and that kind of comes along with what you were saying earlier about the different mind state that you're in, uh, can affect. Cause I remember like reading or watching, um, like how I met your mother as like a teenager, mm-hmm. you know, I thought Barney was the coolest. And now like, as I've grown up and I've like, like so much shit has happened and like my eyes have been open. I'm just like, Oh, Oh yeah. It's yeah. horrible. He's kind of horrible, a douchebag. Horrible, horrible, horrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but anyways, yeah, that's I, I I wanted to ask. I wanted to kind of catch up on some things that well, you well, hold uh, on might now. have been doing. I do have another you, oh. book. Yeah, because I started another book on my vacation. Um, I started, yeah. Okay. I got about, I don't know, a little over halfway through um, Angels and Demons by Dan Brown. Uh, I know, mm-hmm. so I ended up buying the seven book collection of um, his stuff. And I really, really am enjoying his writing. Uh, I did read a couple of the reviews talk about when you, if you read them all back to back, it feels very similar and whatnot. So I won't read them back to back. I still read like I'm reading three feet from gold right now, which is a Napoleon Hill foundation book. Um, I, I read again, nonfiction and fiction kind of back and forth. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. believe it kind of cleanses the palate from one to the other. I can uh, see that. Yeah. So, so in this case, I'm, I'm kind of excited about, uh, finishing that book and just seeing where it goes because it's it's pretty intense. It's a nice ride, so I, I highly recommend Dan Brown books if you haven't read any yet. I will have to add them to the list. I don't yeah. know if you can hear or not. Uh, you probably not, but people listen to the podcast. My um my dog is he keeps hearing me talk and he thinks that there's someone in the house with us, so he's excited and he's like moving all around. Awesome, um, <laughs> making the uh, dog happy. 
you know. Okay, so are we ready? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we started out with an interesting question and answer. Well, that's it, folks. Uh, welcome, no, is that joke Bye. ever going to get old? <laughs> Probably not. Probably. Uh, at least not for me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, how many questions do you have? Oh, man, I have one, two, three, four, five. I have six of them, but a couple of these are like multi-part and will probably branch off into some pretty good topics. This might actually go for two hours. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, okay, so I guess I'll ask a question first. Sure. Do you want to just switch off and on like we have been doing? Or I don't know. Well, I, 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 don't, really I don't think anybody wants to listen to you ask me 12 questions and me ask you six questions. <laughs> like, I feel like off and on, you know, it's more conversational. So okay, you know, fair what's, enough. what's funny, though, is I, I have to kind of break the fourth wall here a little bit. This uh-huh. is these are things that I think professional podcasters probably figure out before they hit record. But here you yeah. and I are I'm like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> Let's just throw it out we'll there and see what out. happens. Yeah, we'll figure it out on the fly. Listen, uh, yeah. So we are authentic we're raw. Yeah. We, yeah. we are unproduced. We are, we are definitely raw. We need some cream for that shit. Anyway, just <laughs> start yeah, asking questions question first. All right. So, um, I guess this kind of goes in line with what we were talking about earlier with the whole, uh, your different mind state, mm-hmm. uh, can affect your enjoyment of particular media. So do you find that you enjoy different types of games based on the time of day or year? like board games or video games, whichever kind of games you want to um, talk about. Well, yeah, I do. Uh, sometimes I like kind of a theme game. I I don't know that it's so much the the day or the year, truthfully. I think uh, my mood has a lot to do with what game I want to play. Uh, for instance, uh-huh. I played, um, I had an impromptu board game night last night with uh, some work people, and we're kind of starting to do this weekly at a local board game cafe. And mm-hmm. didn't know who was going to show up, so I really couldn't plan ahead for what game I was going to play. I had to wait until, okay, these are the people we have. All right, these are the games we can play. Um, and I started right. off with a cooperative game. I think that's an easy way to ease people into gaming. And then we ended up going to a game called Secret Hitler, which you're familiar with. Um, oh, I love that game. Yeah, they uh, they loved it. We, we played Mysterium Park first. Do you remember Mysterium? I think you played that with us. Um, the one where somebody's a ghost and you have to give them the the abstract pictures to try to point them to a direction. Maybe you didn't play it. I don't know. I don't um, think I've played that one, though. No. Well, that Mysterium Park is just a lighter version of Mysterium. And in my opinion, completely throws Mysterium out the way. Like, I don't even want that in my collection anymore. That Mysterium Park just streamlined it so well and made it so accessible that I, I don't need the other one anymore. And so that's the game I got out for him. And it, it just was a lot. It's you're, you're taking abstract photos and you're trying to like figure out out of these nine people, what does this abstract photo have in common with this person's picture? And how do I know who's what? It, a couple of people just, it didn't quite resonate with them and it felt difficult. And then I screwed up a couple of rules, which made it a little bit harder for them. I was like, oh shit. Um, so we got done that one. They didn't want to play again. Um, so we got Secret Hitler out, and man, they were out. Well, we got you know we got thirty minutes left. Let's do another one. Okay, we got, we can do another one. Like they were really really excited about that. And I'll tell you, the thing I love about that game is you realize just how shady some people fucking are. <laughs> like what? And I this, I'd be interested to I'd be interested to play it again because I, I mean I've been in the a field where I 
will like be looking at people and observing people based on their behaviors, then my decisions will be made. I mm-hmm. want to be vague about it just because of yeah. you know my career. Um, so I'd be interested to to play it again to see if any of the stuff that I've learned from my work career can translate into like reading people. I don't oh, know. I'd be, I'd be interested. Have to. It would definitely have, have to, to at some point. Yeah. And I would think that uh, that was a fun little sound. Um, I would think that uh, I lost my train of thought there. I had a reminder pop up on my computer. I'm like, what the hell? Um, oh, I think my upstairs neighbor fell down. Oh, man. Should <laughs> you, you check talking? on him? <laughs> Should you go check on him? Should uh, we they're pause? fine. Oh, okay. They're a bunch of, they're a bunch of kids. They're oh, fine. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I think definitely would change uh, how you read people. Um, this one guy we played with last night, I I told him at the end of it, I was like, I hate you. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I just met him that night. He's a, a boyfriend of one of the girls that works for us. And I was just like, I hate you. He had me so fooled. I was so, I had like, I was like man. Ah, I, so you met your match. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was good. And, you know, and, and the typical thing happened, too, is because they none of them at the table had played this game before. And uh-huh. so they all have that uh, assumption that, well, you're a big board game player, so you must be good at all board games. I want to, I want to break that right now. Stop mm-hmm. the stigma behind that. Folks, I need you to, <laughs> to recognize that just because we love playing board games does not make us good at the board games. I just like it. You know, just because you love playing guitar doesn't make you a good guitarist. You know, just you just enjoy it and you enjoy it at the level you are. And some games yeah, I sheeple. really suck at. <laughs> so, yeah, sheeple, stop this yeah. hard-hitting stigma that yeah, I don't really like puts it. us down in our life. Well, it, it, what it does is when I start to play a game for the first time is people never trust me. People never work with me. Like, I, can't, I can't fucking play Catan with people when they start out because they don't ever want to trade with me because they think everything I'm doing is shady. I'm like, no. <laughs> Damn it. Give me sheep. <laughs> so, I mean, it is. Yeah. Okay. You, a you're a bit. shady motherfucker when it comes to, to, to yeah. games like that. Yeah. Maybe. A little bit. Okay. So did, right. did you feel like I answered that question well or... I think so. Good. I think so. Good. Well, interestingly, en- well, interestingly enough, they are sort of um, relate to each other here. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first question for you is, do you feel more creative in a sort of bad kind of depressive down state when you're kind of reflective? Or do you feel more creative in a happy sort of elevated mental state? Uh generally when i'm in a happy elevated mental state when i'm in like that that depressive like uh negative kind of oppressive state like you said Mm -hmm. uh i i mean generally i will just sit and not do anything (laughs) um uh it's hard to find my motivation when i'm like that to write granted uh there are some scenes where like it's a po- when it like c- scenes that are supposed to be darker or like more like, uh, uh, that are like supposed to be like um, as deep as the as as far down as the character can be as far as where they are uh, meant to be in their character arc, um, like the Frodo and Shelob's lair type shit. Mm-hmm. When it's like that kind of stuff, uh, and that's kind of the scene that I want to do to really be able to uh, write that and evoke those feelings on the word on the page. Um, that's when I would, I would try to find the motivation to write then, but it's, it's hard. Generally, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more, um, uh, 
comfortable and and actually get work done when I'm happier and uh, not depressed. That's fair. Now, just kind of a follow-up question. Do you find that if you are writing a character that is maybe more elevated mentally, more excited, or the um, contrast to that uh, character who is in that depressive state, do you feel that you are channeling that, or do you feel as you're writing the character, it sort of shifts your mood as well? Um, I'd say no, probably not for me. Uh, so what I like to do, I utilize music a lot when I'm writing. Um, not necessarily like uh, music with lyrics, mm-hmm. with like its own writing and story that it's telling, but more like the instrumental uh not so much classical, but yeah. um, those kind of musics that are based on like instruments yeah, that's, and that I are meant to evoke that. those feelings. That's what I will utilize a lot when I am writing the different characters. Um, but uh, no, I, I think generally, I don't know. I don't know if I've ever really tried to get in the headspace to that degree for the characters I write. Okay. Um, but I've also not, I mean, I haven't, I, I'm still a, a learning on how I, my, my whole, uh, written language and I'm still learning all of that. So, okay. Maybe eventually I will find that that is what I do. Excuse me. Sorry. That was really loud. (laughs) That's all right. I'm not editing that out either. Okay. (laughs) God, the Sprite, (laughs) the Sprite is kicking my ass. That's hard stuff, man. Hard stuff. I know. I know. Um, yeah. Do you think that does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I Are you think surprised you that by my answer? Well. No, I'm. You, I'm you not surprised. No, I. I kind of thought that's where you were going with it uh, when I thought up the question. That's yeah. That's kind of where I thought you would be. Uh, I. I knew that there was going to be a follow up to it. I just wasn't sure where it was going to go. Uh, so yeah, that was interesting. Cool. Okay. Speaking of music. Uh, yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, What t- I have a couple questions on music here. What type of music inspires you the most? Hmm. Um. <laughs> and if it depends on what you're doing, because uh, obviously it will. Yeah. Uh, could you give some examples off the top of your head? Yes. So when I am writing um, or doing anything that requires a lot of focus, uh, I typically listen to classical music. Uh, mostly mm-hmm. I listen to the London Philharmonic Orchestra's top 50 greatest classical songs of all time. Uh, I just find that, you know, I can put that on shuffle and listen to it, and it really just sort of keeps me going. Uh, sometimes I do, like, lo-fi hip-hop. Uh, I do a... I, I'm an Apple guy, as some of you already know, and I have, uh, on Apple Music, there is a study playlist uh, I really like that. Now that does have lyrics and I find depending on what I'm doing, like if I'm doing scheduling and, you know, calendar work and that sort of thing, uh, goal work, uh, that's fine. But if I have to, you know, write dialogue or read anything, then I can't have the lyrics. Um, so yeah, I, right. mostly like classical, I think is probably the most inspirational. I don't listen to a lot of music very often. Uh, I just, I tend to listen to audiobooks and podcasts more. I've been trying to get out of that and start listening to other things. Like the other day I listened to um, a full opera. I just, I thought that'd be kind of interesting. More of that whole, you know, consume better to create better sort of thing. Um, Yeah. So, 
Yeah, but, but yeah, when I'm producing something, um, obviously it depends on what I'm doing. If I'm listening, if I'm playing music, then obviously I'm not listening to music. If right. I'm doing the podcast, when I'm sort of editing the podcast and listening to that, then I'm not listening to music. Uh, when I am painting minis and I'm not listening to a book, I may listen to music. Uh, but when I, I listen to music the most when I'm doing graphic design work. So like I can okay. sit down and get into Photoshop and I'll tell you an album that I used to listen to a lot was of monsters and men. I don't know what it was about that album, but it really just kind of, I could really just get lost in it and mm -hmm. have a really good uh, session on Photoshop and just really dig in deep and kind of break out the rest of the world. So yeah, that's probably okay. the best. What about you? Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, like I mentioned when I am writing, um, when I want to have like that certain, um, emotion in a scene, I will seek out music that evokes that in myself to try and identify. It, it's, it's such a weird, like, it's hard to describe pretty much. I'm trying to like identify why I feel the certain way based off the music and how could I feasibly translate that into writing Okay. Because I'm, I, imagination is always going. I'm always thinking. I'm always coming up with stories. So like, when I'm listening to this music, uh, it's kind of what happens as I'll like, I'll identify what the trigger is for me for that emotion, and then going back to the music, I was like, okay, what's the story being told here, or, or what's the the most basic story being told here mm -hmm. that is going to evoke the, evoke that emotion, and then how do I get that in my writing? Interesting. Um, so I can see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and definitely a weird thing. <laughs> so it's, it's not, though. Like, so I have playlists for specific board games just to kind of get into the sort of the theme and, uh -huh. and, and whatnot. But I found, like, when I was doing uh, The Dogs of the Vineyard and I was kind of planning that out, I had a lot of Western stuff playing in the background, like instrumental, like um, Red Dead Redemption soundtrack just kind of in the background. Uh, mm -hmm. and yeah, same thing, just kind of to invoke those feelings and sort of put myself in that position. Uh, and it, I think it helps. I, I think that's, there's probably a lot of research behind, uh, that philosophy or that theory. And I just haven't read mm -hmm. it yet. Well, that's um, awesome. Cause you answered my next question. I was going to ask a follow up and you already answered it with that. I was awesome. going to ask if you played, played music during board games. Yes. Um, I figured you did. Yeah. Well, uh, not always. I was going to ask yeah, I guess it depends. Like, if it's yeah. like a party, like a like a more like, well, last night a lot of crosstalk yeah. party game, probably not. Well, last night being at a board game cafe, there was no music there. Um, just the nature of it. Usually, if it's uh, two to four players, and a game where there's it's a little bit more complex, and I'd like to sort of focus in and drown out some of the op outside noise, just kind of light in the background. Yeah, it feels you know kind of thematic and whatnot. Nice. All right. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, and, and I find this so coincidental that these questions sort of keep uh, creating segues into the next. You mentioned that you're always create, you're always thinking about stories and, and worlds and whatnot. And my next question actually has to do with that. Uh, uh -huh. How much time do you think that you give to the the thought process, that uh, imaginative imaginative process of creation? And how much time do you give to the actual production of it? So, like, do you have a do you schedule time to do this, or is it sort of just whenever the mood strikes you? And then, 
uh, as a follow-up to that, do you think that having structure would make it, uh, would you be more productive? So, shoot. Uh, so, uh, yes, having structure, having, having more structure would be absolutely um, more productive for me. I can answer that right away. As far as um, rough percentages, I would probably say like 80% is probably spent devoted towards like the world building and the thinking of creation, of okay. creating a story. Um, pretty much everything that is not the actual production of it. Okay. Um, and then like 20% would be, and I'd probably like 15% would be towards the actual production. And then like 5% would be towards like, this sucks and I hate it and I'm <laughs> hating myself. Um, but uh, what was the what was the next so part do you, of that? Do, do you, you set aside time for that? Is that this, yeah? Uh, so no, not really. I need to get better about it. I really, really do. It's just it's just so hard. Uh, the nature of working retail, um, it's hard to have a consistent. Um, schedule which is what i what really would help me in my mind and my like spirit of like having you know a a concrete like i will Mm -hmm. always have this time free um so i'm working on getting better on that like i said it's just really hard yeah um generally so generally like the 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 thinking process of it like the world building whatever the outlining that uh would definitely be like i i do that at least once a day at least once a day, I'll spend about 50, at the very least, 15 minutes. Some days, if I'm off and I'm not doing anything, I can spend hours doing it. Um, the actual production part of it, the writing down, the the actual nitty-gritty, that that is more of a when the mood takes me. And I'm okay. like, I need to write. I need to get this out. That's when I would um, do it. Unfortunately, I don't. Uh, I have yet to, to find a way to make sure my time is spent better. good hmm let's see here what other question um here's a good one uh and i'm not going in order by the way generally i go in order um, yeah yeah you're very I, I'm, orderly I'm, <laughs> not this time uh, and I, i'm sure the listeners already figured this out but we have no idea what each other's questions are we we really did decide to just go at this yep you know so this is fun Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, this one kind of is a good segue from that. Uh, who or what influences your creative style? We talked about my creative style. What's your creative style? Mm. Who or what influences it? Well, since I do a lot of different, I have a lot of different creative outlets. Uh, mm-hmm. I think looking at, I mean, that's a tough one. That really is a tough one because I don't necessarily think that any one person or one thing influences. I think going back to the question I asked you in the beginning about mood, I think that is a big factor for me. Uh, mm-hmm. I do, you know, depending on what state I, I create in both um, excitable states and kind of the, the lower states of mind. And that has a big influence over what I create um, as well as my intention uh, to create to get out of those moods. So, like I asked you, if you know, if you're writing a character, does it sort of drag you down? If you're writing a bad character, I may do something intentionally sort of depressive in a higher state of mind 
to bring myself down and vice versa. I may do something that's more happy and upbeat to try to bring myself out of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then sometimes it's just, you know, if I'm really down, sad, something's going on, then I might be a little darker. And uh, the only time in my life that I really remember an emotion that created some really shitty work and I never want to create in that emotion again is anger. Uh, there's been, there was yeah. uh, a period of my life where I was just really angry at a lot of things. And I was, I was doing a lot of, um, kind of ran like a little hip hop studio sort of thing. I mean, I say I ran when I had a couple of people come in and record some stuff, but, uh, I was doing a lot of hip hop myself and I just was, it was like angsty rap and it was angry and I was pissed off at the world. Uh, and it was shit. And then I did some Photoshop stuff then, uh, just some composite graphic art stuff. And looking back, it's like, it was shit. There was no direction. And, I mean, it just isn't good. It's not even like, oh, I look at this and I bring this emotion. I look at it and I'm like, what the hell were you thinking? Nothing works. Like, you just put a bunch of angry shit on a piece, on a a picture, and you called it a day. I mean, I'm not invoking any emotion that way. Um, So it was like a, a shitty Slim Shady? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah, um, I hope that answers it. Yeah, I think so. Is there anybody? Is there is there like a, a person specifically that in, that influences you um, in your yeah. creative style? Like a person that you like look up to, um, could be a famous person or like another creator or anything like that. No, I I think that like okay, like you for instance, I talking to you and doing this podcast definitely inspires me. Uh, uh-huh. Listening to some of the things you're doing, you just posted up uh, the Knights of the Wester Weston Bridge, correct? Is that the title? Pretty much the Knight of the Weston Bridge or something like that, um, which I had read before. So, yes. um, so sorry, you know, I feel like I definitely, I, I definitely honeypotted you with that, saying like I got a new story. Oh, it's the same one I showed you months that, ago. But it's you know it's all right. I still reread it, trying to see if, what kind of things you changed on it. But yeah, so. You know, reading that, I'm like, oh, man, I love it. He's putting stuff out. This is awesome. Um, I I have a friend uh, who I will be uh, doing lunch or coffee tomorrow, and we sort of created this kind of like goal-oriented relationship where we're going to get together and we'll discuss goals and we'll try to, you know, help each other and sort of be accountable to one another. Mm -hmm. Um, That kind of stuff inspires me. As far as, you know, artists and whatnot, I'm excited to read this Matthew McConaughey book. Uh, from what I've, you know, from what I've watched and listened to him, he seems very, uh, you know, inspirational in his message. So I'm, I'm definitely excited. I think that will be an inspiration to want to create and do some more stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's what it is. Uh, reading Steve Jobs' biography by Walter Isaacson, that was one that really inspired me. I mean, I'm not on board with everything that Steve Jobs believed in and did. But you can't deny that he produced – I mean, he changed the world. He he literally changed the world. Um, yeah. So I just cool. – yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there are people, but nothing that really stands out too much. I was thinking about um, the other day uh, – or like when I was listening back to the last podcast, um, we talked about uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., uh, did a podcast interview with Renee Paquette. Mm-hmm. And um, I was thinking about, one, like when I asked you like who influences your creative style, 
I definitely was uh, inspired by that because thinking about that story of him trying for two years mm-hmm. to prove that he was the person for that job. Yeah, uh, just it, it's 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 just inspirational at the base level. He even quit school. Not, get, not even getting into like the other like uh, viewpoints that you can look at that story through. Um, but uh, I just remembered I saw an article. Apparently, he has been added to the Obi Wan Kenobi show on Disney Plus. Oh, cool. coming out. Very yeah. cool. Super excited. So, anyways, what question do you have for me? <laughs> It just oh. came to my mind right now. <laughs> this is free form, awesome. baby. This is free form. We're going. We're going. <laughs> Do you have any question about O'Shea Jackson Jr. to segue no. into it? No, I don't. Actually, this one doesn't segue as well, I don't think. But regardless, I'm asking it. All right. Um, go for it. Do you seek critiques or criticism for your writing? Uh, yes. Or any of your creative? Okay. Uh, awesome. <laughs> Next question, Do you, please. Well, it's, this is multi-part. <laughs> Do you want people to be kind and sort of just, hey, that was really good, liked it, it was nice? Or do you want them to be a little bit more honest and critical? Which do you prefer in um, when, you, when you hand that to friends or family or whatnot? Uh, the second one. You prefer the criticism? Yeah, I prefer the I prefer honest. I prefer honesty. Um, okay. If that comes in the form of of constructive criticism, great. If it comes in the form of genuine um authentic happiness for me and and thinking that it's good, even better. Um awesome. I think any creator who is serious about making a living or or at the very at the very very bare minimum of um, having it be their main hobby. Any creator who's serious about that is going to value or should value honesty, I think. I would agree. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right. I've read some things about that, listened to a few things, and I'm the same way. Um, However, to follow up with that, do you ever get to a point where when there's a critique or criticism, uh, do you look at that and take it personally? Um, I mean, obviously, not always one way or the other, uh, but do you feel like you take it personally, you still want it, or do you feel like it is just sort of helpful? Uh, I think it depends on several factors. So, okay. so yes, I, I, there are times where I take it personally. Um, it will depend on the factor. One, it depends on how much I care for the work. Okay. Um, so if it's like something that I'm – like a job. Um, like we talked about in the past, I've been a merchandiser before, and I've been criticized mm-hmm. – um, for some of the things that I would do in the merchandising, um, some constructive criticism, some petty shit. So like it, it depends on whether or not I'm going to take it personal based off of how okay. I view the person giving it. And the same kind of ring true rings true for more creative endeavors as well, I'd say. Um, but generally I'm able to, to look at that in a little bit, a little bit more of a, uh, an objective lens because art is subjective. If that makes it sense. Is. Yeah, it, it's very much subjective. I, I find for myself, I, I prefer critiquing, you know, that constructive criticism, but I prefer it from specific people. Uh, some people, like, I, and this is going to sound bad, but like, some people's opinion I just don't value uh, because I know that, and I think it has more to do with, like, I know their taste. So I know right. they're not going to like it as much. Or I also know that some people are just nitpicky about shit. And yep. 
when you're like, hey, you know, give this a, a read or, you know, take a look at this picture or whatever it is. What do you think? And that person's like, well, that photograph is blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I didn't ask for that dick. So can we just go back and like, I don't know. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Well, I, well, I mean, it's okay, but okay. That's why multiple you know choice, man. Multiple choice yeah. is your favorite. When you're sending something out to be constructive criticism, you get you put, is it good? Is it bad? Or neither? <laughs> Those are the only options. And if they say neither and you want more clarification, you can reach back out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think like when I first read your story, we had a, a conversation about that. We did. Um, we had like I, a three, th- which kickstarted this fucking podcast, I might say. Yeah, it did. But I, I think that... I enjoyed that conversation. I hope that I wasn't harsh about it. I, and I thought that like one of the things no, I were. really wanted – good. And I, I wanted to approach it like, okay, there, these are the things that I like. These are the things I didn't like. These are the things that I just – I need more context for. And then there was like, okay, this is the part that I just – from my perspective and my taste – Mm-hmm. I wasn't a fan of, and I wanted to make sure that I conveyed that in our conversation because I didn't want, I didn't want to be like, wow, you know, I just, I don't like the color red, so this painting sucks, you know? Right. <laughs> I think it's shit. So, yeah. yeah. And that's, that's where a lot of, that's how I'm able, because I am very much, I'm, I'm someone who needs affirmation. Like it's, there's the whole thing about love language and shit. Mm-hmm. Like that's, like, I, that's I don't my remember top a whole one lot too. about it. Yeah. That's what I need in a lot of my stuff. And I'm like up for affirmation, honestly. Yeah. So, that was um, something that I had learned very early on when I started doing a lot more creative endeavors and, and giving to people to be graded in school or critiqued mm-hmm. by my friends or family. I had to learn that like art is subjective. There are some things that I like and there are some things I don't like that are based on a myriad of reason and people are just like that. And so when mm-hmm. I'm asking for that creative constructive criticism, I have to look at it through that lens of like, okay, this this story that I just posted on Moros is a good example. When mm-hmm. I first gave it to you, I actually sent it to you and I sent it to um, another mutual friend of ours mm-hmm. and opposing <laughs> opposing ideas. Like the other person really liked it, didn't really have any much negative things to say about it. And then you had a bunch of, not a bunch, you had as much um, things that you're questioning versus things that you, you liked. Um, yeah, but I, so, I did read that not... I think there's a difference too is when you hand something to somebody, sometimes people read or, you know, whatever the work is or they'll listen to it and they really are kind of listening to it or reading it passively as entertainment. Uh-huh. Uh, I didn't. I read that critically. Like I was looking for right. because I felt that that's what you were asking me to do. So that's I think what it was I did. both. I think I think yeah. I think I was asked probably for both, like, did you did you enjoy it? Did it make sense? Fine. Fine, I'm a shit friend. Okay. Did it? No, no, no. And then, and then I was also, I was also wanting that because I was, I was submitting it to a, a, a national contest. Like I, I wanted to make sure that it was good, good enough to to place and to win. It wasn't. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Uh, but I think no, you weren't a bad friend. You were doing what I wanted, uh, and that's something that uh, people who create things need to learn is to to be able to take into context. Uh, the backdrop of that constructive criticism um, and whether or not it is constructive or not. If it's not constructive, you can ignore it. It's okay. Um, It's annoying. I'm sure. Uh, But it's it's not something that you need to take to heart. And it's something that I have learned to not take to heart. So, so there you have it. That answers your question. I'm sure. Yes. For a minute there, I thought episode nine was going to be the final episode of above the board, but over. (laughs) 
Apparently Remember a few not. months ago when you slighted me slightly? <laughs> All right. I like that. Slighted me slightly. Oh, goodness. All right. I think you answered that pretty well. What do you got for me? Um, speaking of speaking of product and, and pieces of work that we've constructed and that I've constructed and that I'm proud of, because um, I am proud of that story, uh, even though it didn't win any awards, it's okay. I still enjoyed it. Um, what piece of work are you most proud of, Jeremy? Oh, my Lord. Um, again, it just depends on the medium. Um, I Examples, please. I will. So I, years ago, really got into producing electronica music, mostly through, um, like, clip-based stuff. So at that time, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't creating the clips myself. I was sort of just chopping up sounds and, and putting them together. And I created a song I called An Artist's Dream. It's about eight minutes longer, so I broke it up into a part one and part two. Uh, mm-hmm. But I like that song a lot. But what made me really just kind of sit back and smile was I remember a night where, or a morning where I was laying in bed, my ex-wife and I, and we're just kind of waking up. And all of a sudden, I hear my youngest son. They had a friend over. And it was actually the same friend who came and asked me to turn the music down one day when I was creating the Halloween thing. But anyway, um, (laughs) they had a friend over. It was like one of the first or second times he was over. And I heard my youngest son and my oldest son kind of, they were both sort of talking about it. They're like, hey, I want you to hear this. This is is like, this song is so cool. My dad made this song. You got to listen to this. And that was such a good feeling was like, Mm -hmm. holy shit, you know, my kids are, you know, proud of this thing that I produce and they want to share it with people. And they're, and they have a sense of pride in that too. Uh, Yeah, I was just, yeah, that, that made, that was a proud moment. And I, that piece I remember because of that. Uh, So that's one in music. And then I have one in photography. I have actually Uh a couple in photography and whatnot. Um, but I did a photo shoot with a young lady who hula hoops, and we uh, we went up to a, a local place, and we did. She just wanted a. She never really had photos of herself. Uh, she had you know gotten to shape and you know lost all this weight and was really proud of her progress, and she wanted to take some individual photos of herself and her hula hoop. I was like, yeah, cool, whatever, I'll do it. Uh, so we went to this place, and we kind of walked around, and we did all these shots. Well, there's this really neat shot, and i got to find it again and post it out there now that I'm back on Facebook and I'm friends with her again. Uh, I think her husband would appreciate it as well because it's a cool photo. But it's uh, there was a sort of – I don't know if you remember the, the meadows at all, Branson Meadows, but there's sort of like that um, – alcove or whatever it's like uh i don't know it just you go in it seems i think it's hexagonal or like octagonal um or octagonal i don't know however you say the words uh octagonal. octagonal there you go um and she was inside there and she was throwing her hula hoop up in the air and i went outside and shot through the window and just the way the light hit i turned it black and white I really, really love that photo. I just think that it hit, I, I don't know. I just, that's one of the photos. There's a few in, in my collection that I really like, but that one, I, I look back like, man, that was just a great moment. Uh, right. So I'm really proud of that one too. Awesome. Those are both what about really, you? really good ones to be proud of. I, I especially yeah. like the, the first one, the piece of music. Do you still yeah. have that somewhere? Can we listen to it? Uh, maybe. <laughs> find um, it, find it and send it to me. I want to check it out. 
Yeah, um, I think I have. Uh, I actually produced an entire techno CD. Um, it's kind of all over the place for EDM. Oh, yeah. I don't know that it has a specific genre, but yeah, I, I produced a whole one. I never really considered putting that as maybe the intro or the outro. I just kind of <laughs> made my own music for that one. Um, Instead, we're sourcing from other people. Yeah, well, I mean, the the one that we have as our main intro and outro, I made that one. Uh, yeah. But you know, yeah. So what about you? What do you have? You have to have something you're proud of. Um. If you tell me the night of the West, <laughs> I'm gonna cry. No, I actually. Oh man, this one is so self-indulgent. But I am really, really proud of the amount of work I've put into uh, world building and creating uh, a world of um, for my Dungeons and Dragon games. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a completely homebrew world, um, homebrew setting. This is the um, one I played in, right? Yes, okay. uh, and it, it's probably going to be the one that I imagine we'll yeah. play in next. Um, I had a which feeling. We'll we'll talk about that later, um, off off air. Okay. Uh, um, just I've I probably have close to two hundred note two hundred pages of notes um, oh, wow. across okay. my Google Drive, um, across uh, handwritten notes that I need to transfer to Google Drive. Um, I've you know. I ran two full campaigns, levels one through uh, eight and one through 12, I think. Um, numerous one shots. Like, I, I have built up so much in this world. Like, I have all this information on it, all these notes. Like, I could, if I would just do it, I could have, uh, like, I could have so many books written on it. Um, okay. So, I think that one is probably the thing I'm most proud of is like knowing that. I've kind of done it. At least I've I've done like the legwork. Um, I just need to to finish the race and actually yeah, and actually produce it. If we're looking at pieces of work that I've like actually like finished, um, you know, I'm really proud of. Um, there's one short story I did. Uh, that's um, it's actually based in a um, a alternate future setting. Uh, it's up on my website. It's called Augur. Um, a U G U R. It's a uh, it's a really cool short story I made. It's it's it follows um, a young woman who is kind of going through the motions of life um, through various things. America's uh, in this alternate setting. There's kind of like a, a dystopia um, similar to like uh, Ayn Rand's various books that she's written. Yeah. Um, like kind of like a almost like a Blade Runner-esque, uh, almost like a cyberpunk near future type shit. Um, okay. She's going through the motions. She connects heavily with um, old uh, metal bands, old rock bands like Queen and uh, um, fuck, what's the other one? Uh, the Motley Crue, um, all that kind of, all those kind of uh, older 70s and 80s bands. Um, okay. And just the way I was able to incorporate the music that she's so inspired by into the actual story, I don't know, I'm really, really proud of it. I really liked it and enjoyed it. Um, there's a lot of symbolism with it. Um, it's up on our website if you want to go check it out. Uh, anybody who's listening and and can get over my my self plug. Um, but that one, th- those those are two that I'm I'm definitely picking out now. Awesome. Oh, and obviously, Night of the Western Bridge, best story I've ever written. Yes, I mean, of course. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Uh, oh, my. I think we exhausted that question. Yeah, I think so. All right. What you got for me? Do you think that everybody has an inherent ability to be creative, or do you think that it's a natural talent that you have to sort of cultivate? I think I think everybody has the ability to. Okay. I think that's part of human nature and like our evolution and our mm-hmm. um ad- adaptation uh to be a society. Uh yeah. but I do think everyone has that base level skill, but obviously you can cultivate it. It's one that you can can grow and improve upon with hard work and dedication. Fair. So do you, yes and do no. You think, yes and no. Now, do you think that uh, a lot of the cultivation of yourself is sort of finding what medium you resonate with the most? That some people are doing. It's not that they're not creative; they just haven't found the medium in which they will excel at. I think probably a little bit of that, and also a little bit of they haven't found the story. Okay. That they which want really to tell. is which we've talked about that before is that is the creative process is we're just telling the story. We're telling a story of yeah. some sort. Yeah. Awesome. That was an easy question. Yeah. What you got? Hmm. What, um, I'd say what, uh, uh, hmm. hold on. What about? Yeah, I think we've uh, we don't really have any way to segue into any of these, so I'm just going to ask a random one now. We've gotten <laughs> okay. to that part of the podcast. All right, sounds good. I like randomness. Actually, hold on. What was the last question about? It was uh, what do what do do I think things are something or other? Mm. Okay, I think I can. I think I can segue this. Okay. So, I mean, we've lost the segue when we spent 45 mm, seconds talking about no, not no, a no, segue. No. So. no, 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 no. Not yet. Okay. So you asked me, you asked me if uh, creativeness um, is inherent or, or if something that people grow in skill. And I answered pretty much they have to see the, they have to, they have to know what story and what medium to tell that story in. Yes. So they have to see themselves in that work. Yes. Yes. So my question to you is, do you see yourself in your work or do you think others see you in your work or do you think others see themselves in your work? Hmm. That is a, I think that is a pretty interesting question. I do not typically see myself in my work. I mean, obviously I have my fingerprint on it. Mm-hmm. I think that, People typically won't see you until they see multiple versions of your work, uh, and they'll sort of start to paint the picture of what you are. Uh, I think that I put enough of my emotion into my work that people can sort of see my style, uh, but that changes. So uh, short answer, yes, I think there is a bit that I can see. Uh, Long answer, I already gave the long answer, so I'm not going to do it again. <laughs> Fair enough. I really what like. About you? So, I'm because I I kind of this was one of the few that I I just 
I'd, I'd come up with on my own. Um, a lot of these I did pull from a website um, mm-hmm. with my own little twist on them, exchanging certain parts for things that were specific to you. But this one is so okay. interesting to me. Um, do I see myself in my work? Yes, absolutely. And I think that a lot of that comes with the territory being a writer. Um, mm-hmm. There are some characters that I write and that I will write that just speak to me on so many levels and that they are my representation um, mm-hmm. of who I am truly. Um, do I think others see me and my work? That's that one's so weird. Uh, yeah. I assume so. I assume there's going to be some people eventually who are going to read my stuff and be like, okay, yeah, I can see where the author's coming from. Yeah. But, um, but then you, you're having to compare. Is it, is it people that already know you and then they are picking up those traits or are we talking about people who have no idea who you are and they're reading your work like that? And that's what I'm saying where I said, you know, you'd have to see multiple things. You know, I didn't know Da Vinci. I think either or. Eh, I don't know. I mean, people right? that know you are clearly going to be able to pick up those things faster. Yeah, people well, that don't right, know but you I wasn't gonna, asking yeah. about how quick people look at it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but they're going to be able to pick up those things significantly faster and they're going to know that they're accurate, whereas other people, they're going to make... Um, guesses right from the get-go and then as they see more and more work they can sort of flesh out kind of who they think you are sure yeah so yeah that's a thing i mean and i think every artist in some point or another in a creative works puts themselves into it i think you're right writing absolutely does uh i recently started writing that story we talked about it a couple of episodes back i have these sort of a world in mind and some things that go Mm -hmm. on so uh Last week at some point on my vacation, I decided to start writing the story. And that's what I never had. I have these ideas, but I just didn't have any sort of a story. Like, what the hell do people need to do in this world to create some sort of, you know, I don't know, story? Uh, so I started writing that and kind of started hashing out some things. And uh, to go back to that episode, I-, I will tell you that I found myself to be a lot more creative by handwriting. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, interesting. But, yeah, um, so awesome. I, I think that's... Uh, what about we, what about that last question, though? Do you think others see themselves in your work? See themselves? Yeah. So I will answer that with a story from Eddie Vedder, who was the lead singer for Pearl Jam. Uh, if you don't know Pearl Jam, shame on you. Uh, but they sang a song called Alive, and uh, the chorus was, hey, I'm still alive, okay? Eddie Vedder said one of the first times he played that song live, uh, everybody was dancing, and they were just really in a state of praise. Mm-hmm. And he said it blew his mind because what he was writing about was, I believe it was a friend's suicide, mm-hmm. and he was sort of... It was kind of angry, like, you're dead, and now I'm still alive, and I have to deal with this sort of thing. And he thought, man, it's so fascinating to him how these other people took it as a celebration of life. Like, I'm still alive. Like, that's, that's great. I can keep going. And I think that shapes the answer to that question, at least in my mind. It comes down to perspective. It comes down to, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about that in the beginning of the episode when we're watching TV or when we're reading a book or whatever and how that shapes, you know, our mood shapes how we perceive it. And, and I think that's a lot of it. I think if a person is downtrodden and struggling and fighting for things, they may resonate with one character differently than another. 
uh, or if they're in a state where they're just sort of consuming media passively, they might not, it might not resonate at all. So Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I agree. I've, I've heard that story (laughs) about Pearl Jam before. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cool story that it gives a really good testament to the power of um, creation and, and what you can give out to the world and what people can, and can take from it. Um, yeah, it's kind of it's tangentially ten, tangentially. How do you say it? Sure. It's 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 somewhat related to the whole death of the author discussion, which mm-hmm. I, it fascinates me so much. Yeah. Um, so I think for, for definitely for the the type of work that I put out, um, I hope people can see themselves in my work. I hope that I'm doing a good enough job to be able to represent different perspectives and different outlooks on life. Um, so that people yeah, are able to to see themselves I, in my work in some capacity. I think, though, that how people are consuming media and the state of mind that they're in makes a big difference. But some people are not looking for reflection when they're reading or listening to music. They sure. really are just looking to escape. So they don't want to be reminded of themselves. And when they find something that maybe does, they might push it away. So there's that sure. option. And then there are people that are absolutely seeking it. I mean, you think about all the angsty music of the early 2000s and all the people that were listening to it were looking. They wanted to feel that, and they wanted to see that somebody else also had those same feelings. Yeah. That's why that emo, you know, uh, the emo phase came about. Yeah. So people, you know, and it resonated with people on that level. Um, so, yeah, I think that answers the question pretty well. I think so. What's you got another one for me? I do. I have two more. All right. All I right. got four. Oh goodness. Maybe I'll come up with one. I don't know. I got five. Do you th- <laughs> do you think by working in a job that is not inherently creative that it hinders your process or helps to develop your process more? And then I'm going to further that after you answer that first question. Uh I think for me it working in a job that isn't inherently creative would help because as someone who works in a creative job, I know it hinders me because a lot of my, my, um, my energy, my creative energy is focused towards excelling at that job. Um, so like I know when I was merchandising a lot and I was doing maps like every other week or every, like, you know, every three weeks or whatever. And I would have to go out to the floor and figure out how am I going to give it, all this merchandise moved from this spot to this pot. And how am I going to put all that creative energy was, was being soaked up by the job to make sure that I excelled mm-hmm. at said job and I could afford living. Um, so I think for me personally, having a job that isn't inherently creative, definitely, um, definitely would help me be able okay. to, um, to, to be able to afford um, spending that creative energy on, actually creating things that I want to do. Interesting. So you kind of answered the rest of my questions here. Um, the rest of it was, if given the opportunity uh, outside of something directly created, you, do you think you would like working in a more creative environment that you would be more inclined to create out of on your time off? Or do you think that it would um, hinder that? So you answered that um, yeah. already. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, I think that I, I'm different in that regard, I think that uh, the more creative I am, 
it sort of acts as motivation and it sort of creates momentum. So the more creative I am, the more creative I want to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of find that in a lot of areas of my life that the more I do it, you know, if, if I'm exercising, I've got I've to do it. Like I've got to keep exercising and keep exercising. And the more momentum I gain on that, the uh, much better I do. But I've also found that it kind of exhausts me. And uh, recently I'm learning how to fail better and intentionally fail certain aspects. So like maybe if I'm, say I, I plan, because I, I do plan a lot. I do a lot of time management stuff. So if I plan that I want to write these days, well, maybe one day I say, you know what? I'm not going to write that day. That's, uh-huh. that's the only thing on my to-do list I'm just not going to do so that tomorrow I can wake up and say, okay, but today I'm going to do it. And by doing that, when life happens, you can sort of prepare for the unexpected by practicing getting back on the horse, essentially. Uh, right. So. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder how <laughs> much of that comes into what we're creating. Because, um, I mean, obviously I'm an author. You are more of the um, tangible aspect with music and, and photography. Um, mm. I wonder if the different things that we're creating informs how useful a creative job is. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I would I would definitely think that makes a difference. And I think just personality, too. I mean, for people... Um, I mean, you hear about, you hear about people who uh, are in powerful, uh, you know, businesses or whatnot, they're CEOs and they have, you know, all these responsibilities, but then when they get home, they're like, they don't want any responsibilities. Like they, they become passive. So that whole dominating, uh, person who at work, they're so dominating, but when they get home, they're very submissive simply because they just, they do that all the time and they're looking for that disconnect. Uh, yeah. I think the same thing with, and some people are like, no, I'm, this is who I am. And I think creation is sort of like that. If, you know, if you thrive off of the creative process and that's what, you know, motivates you and, and builds the momentum in your life, I think you're more apt to, Hey, if I'm working in a creative environment, I come home. I, I think too, Bradley, that like, I want, when I'm working with something, I, I don't know if it's a unique ability. I don't know if everybody kind of does this. I, I don't really know. I've not honestly talked about it much, but I seem to be able to parallel things really well. And it's, it's all kinds of things. Like when I read the, the five love languages, I was able to parallel that with not just a romantic relationship, but also with you know, employee relations and children and, and sort of connecting the dots and, and extrapolating the intention behind what I was reading and pulling it out. Well, it's the same thing with creation. When I go to work and I have to do a floor set, I can extrapolate, okay, I'm pulling you know, these colors or these, whatever I'm doing, I somehow pull from that to help me in a different creative medium. I don't know why that is. Huh. It just, again, it just builds that momentum. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. All I know, all I know, Jeremy, is if I could feasibly get a job that pays well enough and all I had to do was sit at a desk like like an overnight like say like an overnight desk clerk or something for like a hotel yeah uh i would do it in a heartbeat because then i could just fucking write because <laughs> nothing's going on <laughs> i'll just write while yeah. i'm doing that um if you Fair. don't know uh that is a a um reference to um a story brandon sanderson has told multiple times about a job that he actually sought out so that he could afford 
living while like, before he became a full-time author. Um, awesome. And as you know, Brandon Sanderson is my favorite author, so it yes. makes sense. Next question. So speaking of people that we are, um, that speaking of somebody who's my favorite person uh, in my pro, my chosen profession, what person, living or dead, would you like to um, play board games with, or make music with, or um, have been the subject of your photography? Oh man, um, music, man! I would love to sit down with Rob Thomas. Uh, the lead singer from Matchbox 20 and then also a couple of solo albums himself. Yeah. I, although watching him during his quarantine concert and stuff, there was, I don't know, there was a certain air about him. I was just kind of like put off by, but things that I've read about him, the music process, he's so talented. And I don't know. I think he would just be fantastic to just sit down and jam with or talk to about music. Right. Sort of pick his brain. Um, Board game wise, and this is actually feasible. I might get to do this in my life. Um, the my favorite board game of all time is the game Scythe. Mm-hmm. I love this game. I it, it's phenomenal. It's just a, a wonderfully designed game. The designer is Jamie Stegmeyer from Stonemeyer Games. Now they also he just his uh, production company a couple years I guess a year or two ago now uh, developed or produced the game Wingspan, which was. Um, I know above the board Twitter follows Elizabeth Hargrave, a uh, fantastic voice for uh, underrepresented people in the board game industry. Uh, I love her fire and passion, but Stonemeyer games produced the game wingspan for her, uh, which sold, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of copies or something like that. It, it's just stupid. The amount of it's a bird watching game, but it's so good. It's such a great game. Right. Um, artwork is really good. But I would love to sit down and play a board game with him. He is very active on social media. He is very active in, like, he, he does a what's called a Sunday sit-down every Sunday. Every Saturday, he does Catter Day on his Instagram, and he posts pictures of his cats. He asks questions, and he, he interacts. He's on um, BoardGameGeek or BGG.com, and it's, you know, he interacts with people. If you've got a question about rules and you post it in that forum – it's probably going to be answered within 24 to 48 hours by him. Nice. Uh, so stuff like that's just really cool. And he has such a, I don't know, just a, kind of like a charming personality. He just seems like a really down-home, nice, genuinely nice guy. And I think playing board games with him would be sort of exciting and relaxing. He also uh, actively, I guess, indoor rock climbs which i love to do mm-hmm. and he also does um f- i get what's called disc golf not frisbee golf it's disc golf uh and again something else that i really enjoy doing uh so i don't know i i think jamie stegmeyer might be my best friend out there but he doesn't know me yet <laughs> so that's <I> creepy <laughs> yeah, it is it is yeah. kind of creepy i'm watching you no, no it's, it's no it's cool. it just yeah i just think he's a cool dude it's cool seeing those like like you mentioned earlier those parallels between um yourself and people who are inspiring who have have made it in the world that you are just stepping foot into yeah like there's many like youtubers and, and content creators that i have that same kind of like oh you like that too that's awesome um yeah so yeah i get it what about you who and who would you like to sit down and it's it's weird because writing is is an inherently solo event. So, 
would it be someone you would just like to sit with and discuss writing about or, or what? I think, well, so no, I don't think I'd want to discuss writing with um, the person I'm thinking of because I've already like, like I've seen so many of his, it's Brandon Sanderson. Like he has all of his I, YouTube I had a channel. Feeling, yeah. Like his YouTube channel is just filled with so many great tidbits of, you know, from Q and A's that he's done where like people would ask a question that I didn't even know I needed answered, but like, and I see the video pop up like, Oh, that makes so much sense. It's a good question. So I feel like that, that part of it, the discussing writing, it's already been fulfilled. However, mm-hmm. I think it would be really cool to, um, to, to co-write something with him. Um, that'd be dope as fuck. Um, okay. Another person that I would actually like to discuss, to actually just discuss things with, uh, um, so there's a there's a, a couple, a husband and wife who uh, are actually based in L.A. They are part of uh, Funhouse. It's a YouTube channel. It's kind of underneath the Rooster Teeth umbrella um, called James and Elise Willems. Um, they like the two of them together embody almost all of my likes. Like they like superhero movies, like movies in general, TV shows. They like Elise has written the books. Um, James is into wrestling, like pro wrestling, like all of my likes and board games, James mm. and Elise both like board games. Like they have a board game show. It's so like all of my, my passions and my likes, like they embody. So I would just love to spend a day with them just chilling, like doing whatever the fuck they wanted to yeah. do. Um, and then as far as like, I don't know, like play board games with, I think there's so many content creators that I would love to play board games with and just get to know and, and chill with Matt Mercer, probably Matt Mercer's up the, the whole, ca- I, I would love to sit in as a guest on critical role, uh, or not even as a guest. Like, I think I couldn't do a guest. I could probably like sit in the back, like watching them play like in the studio or something. That'd be cool. No, I think it'd be, I think it'd be awesome just to be a part of that. And yeah. sort of like, I I'd want to be, I'd want to watch them and then maybe have dinner afterwards and just sort of be able to converse about things. And I think Matt Mercer just from what I've seen mm-hmm. would just be a fantastic person to pick his brain. Yeah. If I had aspirations to be um, an actor, either on screen or, or a first actor, um, like all those people, like Laura Bailey, hundred percent, I would go mm-hmm. to her first before anybody else in the world. I'd go to Laura Bailey. Cause she is so good. <laughs> like it's unbelievable. Yes. Um, I really liked her in Titan's Grave with Will Wheaton. That yeah. was a pretty good show. Yeah, she uh, she won a BAFTA, dude. For I think she won a BAFTA, and yeah. she won uh, uh, she won something else, something American ba- American based for um, her role in the The Last of Us Two, uh, which is just impressive. Uh, it's yeah. so so cool. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson, I'd love to chat with him about, because I'm writing a sci-fi story, so, like, I would love to just, like, pick his brain, like, hey, um, is this feasible? Could I, could this happen, actually? And then if it wasn't, I'd yeah. figure out a way. I'd have to, like, figure out a way how to, how to, 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 to actually make it work. Um, well, he has, he has such a interesting delivery. I mean, for somebody that is mm-hmm. just a genius, he, he presents himself very well to the layman. Yeah. He, he's definitely got that that um, it factor, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's he's got charisma. Obviously, I think uh, I would love to actually. Uh, I, I would like to. I think it'd be fun to play a board game. Like this is my dream board game group, right? Playing, uh, <laughs> you know, one of our one of my many favorite games. Um, I'm thinking Barack Obama, uh, okay, uh, Michael Jackson, um, okay. Freddie Mercury. <laughs> uh probably 
Jesus, just because I think that'd be great. Uh, I think G- I'd, I, I'd want to play with Jesus when we play Secret Hitler because oh god, he ain't gonna lie. <laughs> be, be careful. Um, and uh, who else would I? Uh, probably, I think Fiona Nova. Probably would be my next one. Um, which I don't Did know. You say Yoda. Fiona Nova. She. Um, oh, okay. I don't think Nova's her actual last name, but that's what she. That's her like internet persona. Um, she okay. goes by. She was recently. Um, a part of Rooster Teeth, uh, part of their Team Hunter branch. And then I think she recently hmm. just got a job with G4. Um, okay. She's done a bunch of, like, uh, awesome uh, – She's done. she did, like, the, one of the latest TV, um, like, weekly show formats with Rooster Teeth. Um, I think she's going on as a producer or, like, a content creator or something for G4. Um, just really, really funny, chill, down-to-earth, um, and passionate. She's super, super passionate um about creating and getting people's voices out there and so uh, that would be like my my dream group to play board games with if i had to interesting choose. i think it's a good collection oh. of people um, well, that that was a really good question yeah that's a good school i uh, thanks yeah. um thanks whatever website i found that on <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i like that one it's kind of in that realm a lot of times with new people you ask that question you know living or dead who would you want to have dinner with sort of thing um mm-hmm. and i always like that and the people's reasons and stuff behind it mine's always changing because there's there's quite a bit of people i'd love to sit down and talk with uh for different reasons so yeah and yeah, that was a good question and that that group like i could probably spend an hour listing everybody i would love to like talk with like at oh, the yeah. time i've I answered that i've already thought of probably six or seven more people that I'm like oh what about them? that's yeah same thing exactly the same thing um so Moving forward, um, looking back at the episode where we talked about it's better to create something than nothing at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that was episode one. <laughs> um, <laughs> so if you haven't listened to that, go back. Uh, that was our inaugural episode. It got me thinking, and I know we talked about this quite a bit in that episode, but it got me thinking some more about the creative process and and that whole point where what exactly is the point in our creation where we we are able to say, this is good enough? Uh, You know, you just, and I thought about your story that you just published. Um, Think about the podcast and the editing process that we do and sort of how that's developed to the point where I'm not cutting as much out. Mm -hmm. I'm allowing us to be a little bit more organic that way. Um, At what point do you feel like it's good enough? Do you, is it, is there something in you that's like, well, you know, I don't have, I really don't have any more to say. I don't have any more to chisel off of it. Or do you just say, you know what? I don't want to do any more to this. I, yes, there's probably a hundred more things I could do, but right now I'm just, you know what? I'm just going to put it out into the world and I'll put that energy into something new. Like, how do you look at that? How do you come to that point in your creative process? Hmm. I think, gosh, that's, that's, that's really good. I don't know. Um, so one, I obviously, I'm not a full-time author. I've, I've not had mm-hmm. anything published. So everything I've ever put out and that I have finished, it's just been kind of up to me to, to, to feel like it's set. And I, I've said what I needed to say and I've, I've told the story I wanted to tell, um, so obviously if I were to be published or like a full-time author and I had deadlines, like 
there's only so many so much time that you have with something so that would be a way to force your hand obviously um Mm -hmm. you and i were obviously trying to get um a stricter schedule with this podcast so that is a good deadline there as well granted we're not Mm -hmm. having to do as much like you mentioned editing and, and cutting out things and letting ourselves be more confident in what we are able to produce with this um, yeah. So I, I guess I don't know. I, I think it really depends on each individual thing. Like this this Night of the Western Bridge, I had a deadline technically, this last short story. Like I had a deadline of, of when I um, could submit it by. Um, so that was one, one way to help me ensure that it was good. I, granted, I finished it like a month before um, the actual, the latest deadline. Um, although I think there's monetary, like, I think you, you could submit it later, but you had to pay more to submit it, I think. So that was, that was, that also helped. Um, but like for other stories, just, just really taking a, an objective look as far as like, did I tell the story that I wanted to tell? And then if I didn't, how can I, how can I tell it more succinctly or am I telling the wrong story? Am I looking at it in the wrong way? That's um, an interesting thought. So I guess to answer your question, I have no idea. <laughs> it's a, yeah, it's a it's, learning I mean, process. I'm still learning. Um, I don't know. It's That's that's a good one. That's one that I definitely well, I probably going to be thinking something about. Good. I, I do think that you hit something um, that helps people push forward is having deadlines. You know, if you have a deadline you don't get to hem and haul over it anymore. You have to put it out there for whatever reason. And even if that's just a personal deadline, uh, which goes back into sort of managing your time and and being more disciplined in your creative process, if you set up personal deadlines, like I'm going to have this part of this story done by this time, and then the next one is I'm going to have this next portion done by this time, and then maybe scheduling in, okay, I have such and such many hours to go back and sort of rehash over it. But then at this point it's done regardless. I don't care if it's right, wrong, whatever this is done. And then I'll put my energy into something else. I I do think that helps push people forward. Like you said, with the podcast, we we've set a deadline, like this is the day it gets published. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's been times where it's been right at the wire uh, for whatever reason uh, life happens, but yeah, it's been right at the wire and and, and I find that I work better sort of under that pressure of, shit, I've got to get this done, and I, I've got to focus on it. I need to spend the time on this now. Yeah. And there are things that I'm like, ah, well, I, I can't fix that. I just don't have time to fix that, and it is what it is now. And for better or worse, now, granted, in a podcast, it's more ephemeral. You know, people listen to one episode after the other. It's not like people are going to go back and re-listen to the same episode. In a book... I think it's not as ephemeral, and I think people do spend that time where once you publish it, it's out there for good, Mm -hmm. and if it gains traction at all, then people are going to see those mistakes, and that's a little bit different. Yeah. Comes down to time. Speaking of time. Sure. If resources and finances were not a factor, what would you most want to spend your time creating? Well, I'm a little sad because I thought when you said speaking of the time, we were going to go back to like Prince and uh, Morris with the time. Anyway, um, good bit. It's probably way too old, (laughs) way too old for people. Uh, Anyway, so uh, uh, such an interesting question. I almost actually put this on mine 
but I felt like I already knew your answer. So I don't know. I, I've spent a lot of time in the last couple of weeks. And like I said, I've been listening to Les Brown, the the power of purpose. And I've Mm -hmm. been really kind of wrapping my head around what it is I want to do. And I I reestablished my, my 50 goals that I'm going to go after. And I've just been really kind of contemplating what is my purpose in life. Now, I don't think that anybody has a specific purpose. I think you just find something that you're really passionate about, and that's what you go for. And during that time, it feels like that's the only thing you can ever want to do. I, I don't think that there's ever – just, it's just not what I believe, and I just don't believe in that cosmic force. Mm-hmm. However, I think that I have three avenues where I would be very – content even to say happy I I don't throw that word around easily but I think that I'd be very content with either one of these three professions one of it is literally anything where I get to lead people I love leading people I mean I truly enjoy it I like watching the efficiency of people and I like helping to better that and make them find the confidence within themselves and making people who typically would never like one another build relationships with one another in in that common goal and how they develop i i like being a part of that process and i've told people for years now training people for companies like i'm not training you for this company i'm training you for life i'm training you to be able to take these skills and go anywhere in life and utilize them and i do that sort of arrogantly because not that like hey you're going to remember me But it is a feeling because I have worked under people and I've had these people who have shaped me and developed me. Some of them have passed away now uh, because I'm old. And so they've (laughs) passed away, but they have impacted my life and developed me in such a way that I can never repay them or even personally thank them. So the only thing that I can do is pay that forward Mm -hmm. and hope that I can be as impactful to the next generation as they were to me and and not expecting to ever be thanked or ever be recognized for it simply putting that energy into that uh, that person so that's kind of what I put out into the universe and that's one thing that I think is and I'm doing that now and I, I've done that in leadership it's kind of funny the other day I posted on Facebook that uh, you know I'm sitting here in a bar and I'm having some drinks and there's a lot of fun things happening and there's these very attractive people around and I'm sitting there watching the stick because it was really busy and I'm just sitting there watching the staff and watching the efficiency of them. And it's like, holy cow, you know, I love leadership when I'm doing that, right? Yeah. Um, so that's one. Uh, another thing that I would really like to do, and this one really resonates well, is I'd love to be a professional speaker. I hesitate to say motivational speaker, but I would love to be paid to go to gigs. You know, people hire me and I come out, and whether it's companies, businesses. Uh, I mean, the idea would be I create such a name for myself. I'm filling arenas, people wanting to listen to me for a weekend or whatnot. Kind of like Tony Robinson, Les Brown, Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Or even just going into small groups and coming up and sort of speaking to them and, and trying to get them to find their own purpose or motivate them into doing something and giving them that inspiration. Um, And then the third thing, uh, which has been always back and forth in my mind, and I I think I, I don't know, I just have some insecurity about this one, but uh, I've considered oftentimes pursuing something in the psychology field. 
uh, and working with uh, different groups of people with mental illness. Uh, it's a topic that is very personal and very near and dear to my heart. Hmm. And I feel that I have a, a pretty good grasp with communicating. And I think that would be something that I would uh, think I'd just be very content making a living out of helping people through those problems and struggles and whatnot. So I think it's funny because like the, the, the speaking, the public speaker part of it is more grand, uh, but it still kind of encompasses that whole, the same desire and passion. I think, I think all three of them sort of have the same uh, connection and uh, why I like them. It's just different ways of uh, presenting that desire. Yeah. Interesting. What about you? Uh, I, I would like to write. <laughs> I just want to write. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to write and I, I want to design board games, specifically RPGs. Um, okay. Although there are several ideas for board games I have that I think would be really, really cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, writing and writing and game design would be 100% okay. what I would want to spend all my time creating. Awesome. So you have, what, two more questions? Uh, so I have several. They are sort of random, and we don't have to ask them. Got a um, hundred questions they're not gonna, out here. They're not going to evoke too much like um, thoughtful discussion as the rest of these have. But one of them okay. I do want to ask. Do you have any other questions for okay. me, though, before we get to it? Because um, I think this question... I do have one, actually. Okay. So I'll ask my last uh, question. It's a really good one to end the podcast on, so... Well, that's not okay, so I I have this one. It just kind of came to my mind when you were talking about creating board games and stuff. That uh, so I'm completely off script here. Okay, Ooh, um, that's dangerous. I know it's very dangerous. So I have to formulate this in my head okay. to make sure that it's at least uh, you know coherent. You got some years on me, so it might take a little bit. So audience, know. bear with us. <laughs> he's about to start. He's about oh to open goodness. his mouth. All right. So <laughs> when you are cre- when you are consuming board game or you know or a tabletop rpg uh-huh. I, I realize writing it's easy to do this you know you're reading a book you you have ideas do you find that when you're playing board games with people that you sort of drift into the imagination of how could i make this game better or man this is a great i like this mechanic and i want to add this to a board game later and that you find that's sort of what drives you to want to play those games uh, or is that not really something you do at all I mean, I've done that, but I wouldn't say it's the main thing that I look for when I'm playing these games. Um, okay. So obviously, if I'm playing a, a party game, I'm doing it to have fun with my friends. Um, we've talked at length about the, the purpose behind it. If I'm playing an mm-hmm. RPG with friends, it's to have fun with my friends and to uh, be witness to or tell a, a compelling story. Um, there are times... So generally, when I am watching or listening to other people play that's when my mind will go into the more creative like oh, how would i do this differently um what would i think would make it better um those kinds of questions um which is not necessarily like a dig on anybody who does these things it's it's it's, it's just the creative in me saying what can i like how would i do this you know that's a very creative question uh, that we ask ourselves mm-hmm. so yes and no I, I'd, I'd say probably skews more towards no. I, I, I generally will be looking for more, um, more friendship, fun-based uh, goals okay. when, I'm, when I'm playing these games and, and playing these uh, these things with friends. I guess. Yeah, I was, 
It just sort of, I, it just seems like something that you would do. There was a story about Matt Leacock. He is the game designer for the game series called Pandemic. And if you have not heard of the game Pandemic, I highly recommend going out and getting it. It's real life. Uh, ex- yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a fantastic game. Um, however, then they have three legacy versions of it, and I recommend at least the first one. I haven't played the other two yet. Just haven't had a, a group uh, to get together and play it, but. Uh, the story is that when he was younger, he would get a board game and immediately take the uh, game out of the box and he'd flip it over and like make his own game with the pieces. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't sound like, awesome. uh, so I didn't know if you know you were sort of like that, like you're playing the game and like, you yeah, know, man, this, this mechanic is so cool. I mean, and, it definitely happens. just kind of get lost in that. It definitely happens. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, like speaking of like dogs in the vineyard, um, that mm-hmm. game mechanic is so good. The whole, um, yeah, dice pool gambling type thing. So I have taken aspects um, of the whole dice pooling um, mechanic and then added it to like another mechanic from another game that I played years and years ago um, with another guy. And so like I, it does happen. It just it doesn't happen often enough to, to warrant me saying, yeah, it happens religiously or it happens often. OK, um, it does happen, yeah, just not very fair. much. So. That's fair. Uh, what's speaking of favorite board game mechanics? Uh, do you have like a favorite board game mechanic besides dogs as a uh, gambling system? Oh yeah, um, there's a couple of different mechanics that I just usually if it's in it, I'm all for it. Uh, worker placement is one that I really like. Okay, uh, should I explain what the mechanics are? Or just tell you what sure. my favorite ones. Go for it. Um, so worker placement is a mechanic where you typically have a pool of workers in your in your possession and through a round you typically put that you know each one of those out normally in a worker placement game if somebody is in a space you usually can't go into that space so there is sort of that uh you can press people out of things um worker placement is uh usually com- uh, connected to some sort of resource management so you're, yeah. you're putting your workers to to get resources uh, i find worker placement to be fun especially interesting implementations of it uh, the West Kingdom series and the North Sea series both do very interesting uh, takes on worker pl- placement. Uh, Shem Phillips just did an amazing job with those, and the artwork is really fun too. Um, I like uh, action selection. Scythe uses that. Uh, it uses some worker placement, but it uses this kind of action selection where you have a set of actions that you can do, but you can't do the same one back to back. So you have to sort of prepare. Like if I can't just keep doing this move action over and over again. Right. If I move this turn, then I have to do something different the next turn. And I like that. And deck building. Um, yeah. Deck building was sort of brought from the Magic the Gathering, uh, taking the idea of like you're playing that deck, but instead of buying the cards and putting them together at home and then coming as a deck, the game itself is you're buying cards from a pool uh, that is accessible to everybody of some sort, and you're adding that to your hand. Everybody starts out with the same exact hand, usually 10 cards. Usually it has a little buying power and a little attack power, depending on the uh, type of game um, or victory points. And then you sort of build your hand mm-hmm. to try to get the best one to win whatever the win uh, mechanic is. And then two games I would recommend. Uh, I recommend 3-1. I would recommend Dominion. Uh, that was the first that actually created the deck building, and there are so many expansions to it, but I highly recommend Dominion. I think it's a fun game. 
a lot of people argue and say, eh, it's not, it's, you know, it's old, whatever. If you've never played a deck builder, I'd start with Dominion. I think it's great. Uh, another one is Star Realms. I was going to say you've that You've played that, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Star Realms is phenomenal. It's less than 15 bucks. It's a fantastic deck of cards that you can play. Uh, it's also a really good app. I actually think in one of our episodes, I talked about this app before. <laughs> uh, I literally play this two, three, four times a day. And I'm not exaggerating for years now. It's so good and so fast. And it's like five bucks. Um, so if you like the game Star Realms, definitely get the app. Well worth it. And then the last one is something I recently started playing. I heard a lot about it, uh, and I finally got it, is a, a game called Clank. And the, I have Clank in space. I've heard that it's just a better implementation of the game uh, than the original Clank, um, although I like the theme of the original where it's a dragon. Um, but this game has a board, and you have a person who is moving through the board. They have to get to like some kind of treasure and then get out. Uh, what's interesting is it utilizes the deck building mechanic to be able to move and attack and do all this stuff on the board. So they've taken that that mechanic and then they've created a different game out of it and the deck building sort of propels that. Huh. And I find that really fascinating. And a lot of people would say, you know, once you've played Dominion or Star Realms or something like that, Clank is definitely one of the best versions of deck building. Uh, one of my favorite game, games, Great Western Trail, has deck building in it, but it really isn't. While it is a part of the game, it doesn't propel the game. It's just a portion of it. So I don't. It's just one, and that, I love that game just for a lot of other reasons. But yeah, okay. So they would be my favorite mechanics, and then Hidden Roll, of course. Right. Right. Nice. Awesome. What about you? Uh, is yours Hidden Roll? Uh, no, I, so, I mean, I already kind of mentioned my favorite, the whole dice pooling. Um, I, and I love dice pools. I love rolling a lot of dice, anything with dice <laughs> before. Um, <laughs> I like deck building as well. I was going to suggest star realms is probably like one of my favorite deck mm. builders. Um, or definitely my, probably my favorite deck builder I played. Um, anything that's like kind of social and like deception and all that kind of like secret Hitler we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, coup is another really fun one. Yeah. Um, social deduction, hidden rolls. Yeah, right? so I like that kind of stuff. Um, I really like just simple, um, like simple dice rolls. Um, uh, meet to beat, where you have to to roll above a certain roll a certain number or above to succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, you see that in D anD D and plenty, plenty of RPG yeah. RPGs. Um, so I like the more dicey type stuff. Uh, for sure. That's, yeah, I think it fits with the uh, tabletop RPG love that you have. Yeah. Well, interesting. One okay. last question. We've got one more question left. This is one super important. Hammer. Okay. Um, oh, goodness. It's, it's, I think it's a really good one to end this uh, sort of. Um, I wouldn't say this is a clusterfuck of a podcast because I think we did have it under control most of the time. I would say it would be more it's of like a, a cluster love, you know? Okay. Cluster love because we were. Anyways, um, (laughs) if you were a kitchen appliance, which would you be and why? What the fuck? (laughs) And that's all the time we have, folks. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Uh, (laughs) That was a really Um, important question to ask. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. It reminds me of the joke by Mitch Hepburg. It's like, you know, I just want to be the, the guy who names kitchen appliances. It's like the easiest job. All you got to do is say what and I'm, you know, killing this joke. But all you got to do is say what it does and add an er at the end of it. <laughs> what does this machine do? It blends. Cool. Blender. Let's go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I mean, yeah, refrigerator. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know why it's not microwaver. That's true. Yeah, that's a much more fun term. Yeah. Yeah, so if I was a kitchen appliance, which one would I be? Well, I think I would be something like a KitchenAid mixer. Okay. This is why. All right? Oh, boy. I didn't put a lot of thought into this, but I do have thought behind it. Okay. Uh, I would be a KitchenAid mixer because people don't just buy a KitchenAid mixer because it's a mixer. They buy it because it can do all these other things. You can get all these extra attachments and do so much with it. And it's also the, like, mixer that you would want to have. It's sort of, you know, it can be kind of a status symbol. It has the horsepower to do all the things that you need it to do. It's been around for, you know, decades. So it's old. Uh That's one. Um, You can get it in a lot of different colors and whatnot. So it's fashionable. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) but But because it can do so much... I think it sort of represents my personality. And like we talk, like all my creative stuff, I'm always doing like a hundred thousand things. I'm never, I don't have that one focus. I am definitely a multi-use tool, um, you know, and, and that's good and bad. Um, I, yeah, I just feel like I'm a multi-use tool. And I feel like a KitchenAid mixer is the cream of the crop for that. And I think that that's, if I was a kitchen appliance, that's what I would be. And I you wouldn't put a cover on it. I because you'd want to see it. I can't it believe you answered that. <laughs> yeah, I thought I answered it pretty well. I think so, so too. Uh, yeah. I think you did really well with that. Uh, I, I would be a microwave. You answer it? <laughs> you can just do one thing really well. And that's it. All right, guys. Burn food. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <Jeremy>, <laughs> just kidding. thank you for uh, indulging me with this. I think it went pretty yeah. well. Hopefully. I do too. I, I had a lot it of It was definitely one of those things where it was, you know, building to a really good conclusion and then yeah. sort of like sputtered out in like a wet fart, probably. Uh, <laughs> sure. But uh, I, I don't. <laughs> well, I hope, listeners, I hope you had a good time with this. I know it's it's kind of taken a different path than what we typically do. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully you had a good time. If you did, do us a couple of favors. One, uh, if you're on Apple Podcasting, please rate us. That's how we get um, – it's kind of – I mean, one, it builds our – you know, boosts our morale. But yeah. it also is how we can kind of move up the ladder and people will see us so we can have more people listening to us, which would be fantastic. Uh, share with your friends if you find value in this. If you enjoy this, please share it with your friends. And then also hop on over to a couple of our different social media sites. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Above the Board Podcast. Uh, You might even soon, not sure yet, find us on Facebook at Above the Board Podcast. We're looking into that. We are. Um, And we are. And it's possible that in a couple of months you might even be able to find us on Redbubble with some T-shirts or some glassware. We're not sure. We're still discussing that. Bradley's like, we've never discussed this. Yeah, we're we're just making this up as we go. Uh, Bradley, where can they find you if they wanted to find Bradley? Uh, You go to Google and Google prosberad.com. That is my website. You can also find me at prosberad um, on Twitter and Instagram. There's some underscores in there. I don't quite remember where, (laughs) but I'm sure you'll find it. Um, Jeremy, where can they find you? And you can... 
Oh, I mean, at my house most of the time or at work. But <laughs> if you are looking for me on the World Wide Web, you can find me at Instagram on BoardGame underscore Jer. You can also find me on Twitter at BoardGame underscore Jer or that board game guy. And then, I mean, if you really want to stalk my Facebook, I, I guess you can. Um, but you have to find me. So <laughs> we'll go from there. Um, other than that, folks, I think this has been a great episode. Once again, I love talking to all of you. It's been wonderful. That's it for me, folks. Bradley, send us off. <sighs> love you guys. You can't see it, but I'm putting a heart up on my chest like those people do. Love you all. Take care. Be safe. Yada, yada. Whew. All right. That's it for me. I'm going to stop recording right now. Almost there. I'm still recording. Okay, I'm done now.